Hey, Billy, why do you look so down? Aw, Dad, I got a computer, a PlayStation, and a barn full of iguanas, and I'm still bored. <sighs> Gee, Billy, when I was your age, I would read lots of stories in pulp magazines. Oh, with stories of weird adventure and fantasy, horror, satire, and lots of action. Wow, that sounds great, Dad. Yeah, I sure wish there was something like that right now. <laughs> there is, Daddy-O. Who are you? I'm Dr. Mary Von Roxbrocket, host of the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour. And now there's... Twisted Pulp Magazine! <laughs> What's that, Doctor? Why, it is a return to greatness! Available on all your digital devices! That is what it is! Look! Whoa! Dad, this looks awesome! Exciting and, dare I say it, very unwholesome! You definitely have that right, my good man! <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Mary! My pleasure, Billy! And just between you and me, I am not sure that this man is really your father. Bye! Dad? Uh, just read your Twisted Pulp magazine, Billy. Twisted Pulp magazine! Available in dark alleyways behind meth labs everywhere! Or at Amazon.com or ScreamingEyePress.com! That is S-C-R-E-A-M-I-N-G-E-Y-E-P-R-E-S-S.com! <laughs> den Richtlinien so vorgenommen worden sind, wie wir das für richtig halten. Das heißt, Slugger Malone, written by George Clayton Johnson and read by Amanda Dolan Harrison. Slugger Malone appeared into the drowned night. Rain gushed down on the crosstown bus, turning the passing neons to torch smears. Up ahead, the driver worried the wheel. There was one other passenger, a young man seated across the aisle reading a paperback, his eyes close to the pages in the dim light. One could read a history in that face his capable hands, the determined set of his jaw. Rain boiled across the glass and Slugger found himself thinking he'd lived his life in storms. The rain sledding on the glass was the same water that tore his tent to soggy rags in Venezuela. The same wetness sent the Orinoco River in mud floods to the sea. He thought of the time he and little Bristol trucked the guns to Del Brio in the hills and the roads were black glue and the dark-haired girl with Spanish eyes who bathed his broken hand. He'd seen Yukon ice in his time and tasted permican smoke over a fire that put out no heat. He'd smelled the rank scents of native bazaars and felt desert heat suck his tissues dry. 
He'd heard the drumming of the prairie hail and watched the winds pile northern seas in strange torn forms. Yes, he'd lived in storms and they'd cut and whittled him into an ancient shape. Slugger shook himself. It was all far away and in another time. He thought of La Pette, the pockmarked Frenchman who'd betrayed them, the rapids that chewed his raft to matchwood, the piranha that finished La Pette. He hunched his shoulders in a rueful shrug. He was nothing but memories. When he thought of his life or the meaning of it, he found himself turning to memories of an older time. His running legs had stiffened up. He'd grown suddenly old and come at last to ground. A man was his memories. Take away those and a man would crumble in upon himself and become nothing. The bus slewed through the gripping water toward the curb. He raised himself stiffly and pulled the cord. As he stumped back toward the rear door, he idly noted the young man rising also. They met at the door. Two hands gripped the polished metal grab pole as the bus shuddered to a halt. The door gasped and the rain slushed in. Lightning seared the sky. There was a stunning jolt and Slugger almost went to his knees, clinging to the metal pole. Something stirred and rushed. A wind blew through him and then it was gone, leaving a hollow where he had been full. A stunned light flared up in the young man's eyes. He slid in a heap at Slugger's feet. As Slugger bent over, the fellow he sensed, the bus driver, crouched beside him. Jeez, said the driver. Don't move him. Is he breathing? Slugger stared slackly at him. The driver saw his look and became instantly concerned. Are you all right? He steadied Slugger to a seat. I'd better get some help. Slugger hardly heard him. It was a damn funny feeling he had now. Not pain, not weakness. It was a kind of feeling a guy gets when he loses a tooth. He can't keep his tongue out of the hollow spot in his jaw. Damn it, what had he been thinking about when the lightning struck? The young fellow was coming out of it. He groaned and sat up. When he saw Slugger, he gave a visible jump. He looked down at his hands, fingers, flexed them. It can't be, he said. What happened, said Slugger, slowly, confused. What happened? Oh, for goodness sake, said the young man. His face was pale and his jaw was clenched tight. He came carefully to his feet and peered at Slugger's familiar face in the dim light. Then he felt his own face and groaned again. Comprehension. The young man touched Slugger's shoulder gently. I think I'd better get you home, he said. Slugger blinked. Home? It's just down the street. Come on, I'll give you a hand. Slugger pulled his arm free. I don't know you. How do you know where I live? He stopped. He had that empty feeling again, and it was big. Abruptly, he was frightened. Who am I? You're Slugger Malone, and I'm taking you home, said the young man gently. He helped Slugger out of the seat. Stepping out of the bus was like diving into a swimming pool. They were drenched by the time they arrived at the boarding house. Up the stairs, Slugger. There'll be a fire waiting. Inside the warm room, he helped Slugger out of his coat and settled him in a chair by the flames. He went to the hot plate in the corner and flipped it on, under the coffee pot. He looked around at the room. On the walls, there were several framed photographs. One showed a younger Slugger, standing with several husky dogs, beside a rude lean-to. There was snow on the ground and Slugger's face grinned out of the folds of a fur parka. His brows were frosted with snow. Another showed Slugger standing with a group of rough-looking men beside what seemed to be a broad, sluggish river.
Beside the fireplace, hanging on a wall, was a pistol in a well-worn holster. Scattered on tables and dresser tops were various curios and mementos of an adventurous life. A tarnished clip of .30 calibre bullets, a strangely carved musical instrument with three strings, a conch shell, a black rock smooth as an egg. The young man looked at these bits of trivia affectionately. The coffee pot began to bubble, sending off a fragrant aroma of coffee, steeped in chicory. He went to the cupboard and took down two cups. When he turned, he saw Slugger standing in front of the photographs on the wall, looking confused and frightened. That's me, he said, wonderingly. But who were the others? The young man came to stand beside him. Lapette, Bristol, Del Brio, don't you remember? The Dutchman took the picture. Slugger was very frightened now. Who are you? My name? There was a perceptible pause. Doesn't matter. I'm a writer. That is, I try to be. I haven't sold anything yet. Up to now, I didn't have anything to write about. There was something in his tone that said now things would be different. Slugger had a lost look on his face. What has happened to me? The young man looked at him pityingly. There is a name for it. Amnesia. Funny, you hear about it all the time, someone losing his memory. You don't hear about someone else finding it. He turned toward the door. Where are you going? cried Slugger. Surprised, the young man turned. Why home, of course. I'm going home to my typewriter. I'm going to write about Lapette and Slugger Malone and Del Brio and Little Bristol. I'm going to write about a dark-haired girl with Spanish eyes whose name I never knew. When the others left, she bathed my broken hand and stayed with me while it healed. A dim spark blinked in Slugger's eyes. He looked down at his hand and the scar tissue and the etched white lines against the tan. Something was working there. It's a book, don't you see, said the young man. It's got everything. Exotic locale, adventure, romance. Any publisher would take it in a minute, and when I'm finished, I'll do one about the Yukon and another about Arabia and the desert that no one knows but me. He paused. Now. Wait, said Slugger harshly. Yes? What about me? Looking into those wild and staring eyes, the young man remembered what that powerful body and those hard fists were capable of, and he began to back away. Come back, cried the man who was Slugger Malone, before the robbery took place, but the thief, frightened, now fled through the rain. And later, believing himself safe in his warm home, the young man told his wife of his decision to quit his job and become a full-time writer. What do you mean? His wife, who loved him with all her heart, looked at him worriedly. How will we live? By writing stories and selling them to publishers, said the young man. I don't have to write about the Yukon or Venezuela. Now that I know what the world is like, I can write about anything. I can make things up. He said with growing excitement, I can write about things that touch the heart, about things that give you chills, who we are and why we are here and what it all means. I can write about the far future or the living past. Anything, don't you see? Everything is possible. Now that I know there are a million things to write about.
Was he truly unaware of the shambling form outside the window, peering in through the rain, holding a heavy wet pistol in his hand? Here, said his worried wife, who saw the familiar slipping away. I'd better get you a bathrobe or something. You'll freeze to death. But the young man hardly heard her, lost in the reaches of thought and feeling. Do you want me to call a doctor, she asked. She had needs, but she hid them. She had hopes too, but she saw them broken. Where would it all lead? She looked around at the tiny crowded apartment and the simple furnishings, and at her husband pacing the floor with his eyes full of blueprints. And then there was the bathroom floor to clean, and wax, and the diapers to wash, and the beds to make. And what would they do without a job to bring in some little money? For crying out loud, he cried, suddenly angry. We'll survive somehow, looking at her beautiful face, all stricken. And then the young man was at the typewriter, everything forgotten, in the grip of a seizure as his gaze turned inward and his fingers felt for the keys. He wrote feverishly, oblivious to his surroundings, and the pages began to fly from the typewriter into a growing pile. Outside, heavy feet made a quagmire of the flower beds as hard fingers pried at the window screen. The young man, hammering the typewriter, creating an explosive clatter, suddenly felt vice-like fingers driving into his shoulders, and he whirled about to stare into the clenched face of the man who was Slugger Malone. I followed you here. You know who I am and what has happened to me. He brought the gun up into sight. Perhaps Slugger had lost his memory, but his hand had not forgotten how to hold the weapon like a deadly tool. Fingers strongly gripping in an intimate way, so the gun became an extension of the fist. All this the young man could see. And knowing the blood history of the man who threatened him, he saw death in that gun barrel. Wait, he cried, look! He thrust the handful of pages before Slugger's blazing eyes. Slugger, at last, understood, and taking the typewritten pieces of paper, relenting a little, the gun ready, bending into the dim light, rainwater dripping from his sodden coat to stain the pages and puddle the floor as he read the title. The Man Who Was Slugger Malone by George Clayton Johnson. He began to turn the pages. When he finished reading, he glared accusingly at the young man. You have my memories and there is nothing I can do about it. The young man nodded. Slugger became aware of the gun in his hand. Perhaps if I kill you, my memories will return. That won't help, said the young man with sudden insight. It would only destroy you. But what have I got to lose, said the victim of the theft. He raised the gun swiftly and fired. Or perhaps it was some other noise that wakened the writer's wife. The dark-eyed young woman came from the bedroom, rubbing her eyes sleepily, seeing the wet footprints, or perhaps not seeing them. The young man lay slumped over the typewriter with the neat stack of typewritten pages beside it. She went to him and touched him. Come to bed, she said, shaking him gently. She helped him rise. He leaned against her, followed her, Come to bed, slugger, she repeated. I miss you when you go travelling. 
while traveling home from a job interview in California. Mark and Allie Thurston suffer a car accident in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. Allie, are you alright? After walking for miles to the nearest convenience store, they are greeted by Hap, the store owner, who invites them to stay the night in his home. Me and my son would be glad to have you. When the two announce their plans to stay in a nearby hotel and restaurant, the Old Tawan Buffet, Hap does his best to dissuade them, but when they insist, he leaves them with a strange warning. Don't eat the calamari. When the warning goes unheeded, Mark and Allie are plunged headlong into a cosmic nightmare. Mark! Mark! What's happening to me? Giants, frogmen, time travel, and interdimensional madness. Now you die, your alley dies, your old man dies, I find your home, all of your friends die. All of which concludes in a battle against an ancient evil. You will bow before the mighty Dion Dega. Together they must find a way to preserve their lives, their sanity, and perhaps even their world. Part love story and part comedy. Perfect for fans of Ghostbusters and Cloverfield, The Old Talon Buffet by Wesley Critchfield is a deep dive into Lovecraftian horror that will keep you in suspense and make you want to come back for seconds. Great. I've woken up in the middle of a British Three Stooges routine. More like Gilbert and Sullivan, I should think. No, Monty Python's far more my speed. The Old Talon Buffet, or Don't Eat the Calamari by Wesley Critchfield. Read it now on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. Audiobook version now available for purchase on iTunes and Audible.com. Here at Screaming Eye Press, we are very serious about censorship, and that is why we have put together horrible little stories, stories they don't want you to read, a collection of horror and dark fantasy stories by Joe Lansdale, G.L. Razor, Elizabeth Massey, Jack Dan, Richard Christian Matheson, G. Wayne Miller, Ray Garten, and more. All proceeds will be donated to the anti-censorship foundation, thefire.org. Look, if you don't like this commercial, just shut it off, for fuck's sake.